And I love the fact, love the fact that you just said the word nummy. That makes I me happy. I did say nummy. <laughs> Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always, the Corporal of Common Skew, <laughs> the Director of Drinkware, the Field Marshal of Fleece Jackets, the one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you? You know what? I'm doing really well, my friend. This is, uh, really love the new naming portion of the show. You're doing a great job with that. Um, I'm starting to run out. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll throw some at you. But uh, doing well. The sun is shining in Coshocton, Ohio, and that's pretty cool. It hasn't happened in a while, and so uh, things are good. How about you? Things are going great. Uh, I just got back from Buffalo and visiting the good folks up at Starline. Nice. And Glad to be home. It's sunshiny here. And you know where the sun always shines, Kirby? Where's that, Bill? That'd be on the good people at Common Skew. <laughs> Woohoo! That's right. You know, you know it's the most modern and beautifully designed software for running a promotional products business today. That that's very widely known. You don't have to juggle information in spreadsheets or emails, PDFs, Word documents, PowerPoints, and a promotional product search engine. The best thing about CommonSkew is all in one place. Now, Kirby, you've been a CommonSkew customer for real for yep. years now. Yes. Can you tell me one time where there was a problem that you had running your business where CommonSkew using the platform helped you? And this is not scripted. I did not ask you this before we got on to record. Yeah. So where the software had actually helped me. That's what yep. you're asking? Yeah. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I think that especially as we've started to grow and add more salespeople, I think just the ability to track orders. I think you yeah. and I have talked about it in the past yep. where it's it's the operations management piece that makes the most sense to me. And so, yeah, that's a very specific challenge that that has solved. Well, and if you need a, a problem solved like that, and I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners that do. What you need to do is go to commonskew.com slash unscripted to learn more about the platform. Kirby, they won't be sorry they did. They will not be sorry they did. Kirby, are you ready to broadcast at an ultra-platinum level? <laughs> I will do. As always, I will do my best, my friend. Excellent. So uh, do you want to start with the topic or do you want me to go? I will let you, because I have a feeling I know what you're going to bring up, so go for it. Um... Okay. So <laughs> Maybe I, not. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I have a feeling it's uh, Geiger acquiring UK's largest privately owned distributor. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Kirby? I had a feeling it might come up this week. Yeah. So BTC Group uh, and Geiger. Geiger, it's, it was really interesting the way the news came out because when it first came out, it, it, it made it sound like BTC Group had acquired Geiger. Mm. And that had caught my attention because being a family-owned business in the same family for so many generations, five generations, it was hard for me to see uh, Gene Geiger or anybody in the Geiger family selling. And yeah. so it, it, uh, the later press releases kind of clarified what it was. So it's more of a uh, it's more of a merger of the two organizations and. It's going to operate as Geiger BTC Group in the UK and across Europe, and it'll still remain Geiger here in the United States. And it looks like Gene will be running the business. But 
Boy, that was a big one. Yeah. Um, again, because they're a family-owned business, I did not see that coming. Not that at this point, with any sort of mergers and acquisitions, we should be surprised in the industry. We shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that one kind of caught me off guard. But I think it really positions Geiger, honestly, very, very well to compete in an increasingly shrinking in an increasingly global marketplace. Kirby Hossman, go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know that I have a ton to add. I think it was one of the pieces that, you know, I don't know about you, and I'm sure that the folks who are listening to this get this all the time. It's like we get emails all the time, breaking news. And right. I got to be honest with you, most of the time I really don't give a shit. Right. But this was one where I was like, wait, what now? Uh, and uh, that was one that I clicked through. That was one that I dug into because you're right. Geiger has its own culture. I've actually talked about it in the past. I had the opportunity to speak at one of their conferences, and I was just really impressed with them. And so when that came across, I was like, now what's going on? Um, but again, it feels like um, just from the outside looking in could be a really good thing. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, legitimate news in the promo world. It, it really is, but... yeah. Again, we shouldn't be shocked by this. It's going to happen more and more. So it'll be very interesting to see what kind of synergies uh, the new entity will have and how yeah. quickly um, BTC Group is rebranded as Geiger BTC. So that'll yeah. be very interesting. So yeah, that's a anytime, quick one. Yeah, anytime that there's an acquisition like this, I feel like it's – and you and I have talked a little bit in the past about this, but it's always interesting to, to me to see how this sort of thing is integrated. I think when yep. these things come together, it's really – you can kind of look at it one way or another. Oh, my gosh, this is a crushing blow to whatever. Or right. – and the way my mindset tends to work is I kind of go, huh, I wonder how the two can partner to make it – you know, to strengthen their right. positioning. And I like I'm sure that's – what they're thinking about right now absolutely absolutely so you got a topic for us kirby yeah so this is um i don't know this is interesting to me and it it relates to both uh, sports but also uh, content creation so Mm -hmm. um as we're talking about right now the nfl draft is coming up and one of the top uh quarterback prospects is a guy named baker mayfield um from, from oklahoma and it's interesting because he is everybody is projecting him to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've come out that he is uh, actually actively hired a production company and they are creating a behind the scenes documentary of sort of this journey, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of his lead up to the draft. And they say it's going to be released before the draft. Um, it's interesting to me in the sense that I've heard a lot of ESPN commentators sort of, poo-pooing this and just mm-hmm. saying it's a terrible idea and that there's no upside. As you might expect, I think it's super interesting. And I think mm-hmm. it's where we're moving as a culture, but not, not only a culture, but just as from a personal branding standpoint. So A, I didn't know if you knew about that um, or had heard about that. But off the top, I mean, what do you think about something like that where the you know one of the top picks in a, in a draft like this is doing essentially creating content to enhance and he's enhancing a personal brand where he's already going to be one of the top picks. Well, so I'm just yeah. curious of your thoughts on it. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't think he is necessarily creating content to enhance his brand. I think he's creating content to manage his brand. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watched college football this past year, with you know quarterback for Oklahoma, he's probably the most polarizing figure in college football since Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M. Quite frankly, right. he is sometimes very crude. He has done several crotch grabs that have been caught on tape, <laughs> and he's he's generally looked at as a possible 
Johnny Manziel clone. Now, I, I don't necessarily see it from a hundred percent perspective, but I do understand the concerns. The guy can be a little bit of a ding dong and a hothead. Mm-hmm. So, I see the creation of the video as trying to manage that uh, manage that brand, right? Because sure. the brand is slightly damaged because of how he's acted uh, on and off the field the past couple of years. Right. However, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I think, it, you, you know, again, you, you create media where the people are and in the, the vehicle people want to see it or hear it in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember uh, National Signing Day, and I generally don't pay a hell of a lot of attention to National Signing Day for college football. I, I just don't because okay. it's a crapshoot. Sure. But, uh, you know, I will tune in because I want to see how my beloved Texas A&M Aggies had, uh, you know, what the pundits say they did in their recruiting and what was interesting, I was watching something on ESPN, or maybe I was looking, I think I was looking at it on ESPN.com, and, you know, you've seen the uh, the images where a kid has maybe three or four hats in front of him, sure. and he's pretending, well, I'm going to pick this one, no, I'm going to pick this one, <laughs> and, and it's a little orchestrated, but one kid took it to a new level, and he had produced with people, there were writers, there was a whole thing, a three-minute video about his journey through high school. No one <laughs> believed in me. And now I've got a chance to prove everybody wrong. And then at the end, he put on a hat in the video of where he was going to school. I do not remember the kid's name. I do not remember where he was going to school. So obviously it didn't impact me very much. But I thought it was very interesting, and I thought to myself, next year we will see 20 of those. Mm. In five years, every top you know, five-star recruit will do that. So... For Baker Mayfield to create content in an effort to manage his brand, I think is smart. I don't know if it's going to be effective, though. That's yeah. that thing. I think it's smart because you have to do something because you're kind of recognized as a potential Johnny Manziel flunk out. You know, uh, sure. you know, a, a one, you know, one season and out of the NFL. But I think it's smart to try to do it. If, well, I think I think it's interesting in the sense that a you you had said that people want to get content where they want to get it. The other thing is is people love access. Where right. they feel like they're getting some sort of behind-the-scenes look. But I actually think the bigger point is that whether he's managing, whether he's promoting, whether he's whatever, we can. I think we're, we're kind of – it's semantics to a degree. The right. idea that he um, can take control of his own branding, can take control of that message, and is not completely reliant on the media is kind of the point. You know what I mean? Like that's a – that's – and, and someone at that level, that mm-hmm. he has all the media access he could possibly want. Frankly, he's got too much of it. But right. he still wants to have some control over it, and he can. And I think that's an interesting time we're living it, in. It, well, it is. And again, I think what, we're, what we're, neither one of us has really mentioned, he's grown up in that type of a media society. Yeah. And so for old farts like us to start saying, <laughs> well, he shouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, we took advantage of the tools that were available to us as we yeah. grew up. And I'm sure he has advisors that, hey, you need to put out a better image. You need to be a little more squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. Why not do that? And, and I don't, again, like you, I don't have a huge issue with that at all. But yeah. I, I don't know how effective it is. Yeah, it's, it, I, to I me, it's just more, it's an interesting intellectual exercise to, yep. to think about. And the idea that ESPN is kind of going, we don't need to do that. Well, I think that's inauthentic on their well, part. <laughs> let's look at ESPN, too. They yeah. used to be the cutting edge, 
um, sports leader, <laughs> oh, and now they are a bunch of old farts yelling at each other for, okay. for an hour. Can, uh, this is totally off the. Uh, can I take this off the rails for a second? On sure. It? So this and this does relate to branding. Okay, so yep. the, the other day, um, you talk about wanting to know your audience. Um, mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, they did a ESPN. We're still talking about this. Is they they did a uh, selection Sunday show. Mm-hmm. I'm eating dinner and it's on in the background and it got really quiet on the show and then somebody yells or whatever and I look over and they've got a woman on a unicycle kicking bowls up onto her head. Right. Man, is this the Selection Sunday show for March Madness or is it a 1970s variety show? You talk about trying to figure out who the hell they are. They ESPN they are. has no idea. No, because their, their viewership is declining and, you know, it's just, <laughs> it happens. You know, yeah. I think we just see it much more quickly now, whereas, you know, organizations used to last 80, 100 years. Now organizations can come in very fast. And leave just as quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, no one would have thought that uh, Toys R Us would be out of business. Yeah, but for sure. they are. So, okay. All right, Kirby. Um, I'm going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. And so, this week, I, a self driving Uber car hmm. killed a pedestrian. Yep. Um, now, I, what I know about the story, um, the car did not see the, the pedestrian was walking her bicycle. Outside and, and outside of the lines of traffic, mm-hmm. so uh, she, you know, was not technically obeying the law. But, but and there was a driver behind, or a, I guess a moderator, an auditor, whatever you want to call it. But someone actually in the self-driving Uber car that's supposed to be able to grab the wheel at the last minute should something happen. That didn't happen, and it ran over and killed this lady. Yeah. What are your thoughts? A on self-driving cars, mm-hmm. and B should the guy behind the wheel be prosecuted? Wow. Okay. So I think that um, what's interesting to me, and I, first of all, I'm super sorry about the tragedy um, uh, for the, the lady who was killed. But I think that this is, this is an inevitability when, with the self-driving car idea. Um, this was going to happen. It was, only, it was not a matter of if. It was a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And I think that if self-driving cars are going to be a success then they're going to need to overcome the the idea that this could happen because at the end of the day unfortunately there are fatalities in cars probably every day where there is someone who's driving the car (laughs) Um, and so I think it's almost amazing it's not almost amazing it's amazing that it hasn't happened yet um, I think that when you're putting this sort of technology, at some point there's going to be something that happens where it goes off the rails. This was bound to happen at some point. Uh, no, I don't think that the person driving the car should necessarily be prosecuted. I have never thought about it till this moment because, again, I think it's one of those where you wouldn't treat it differently than you would, you know, someone just driving their Prius. But what if he was negligent? What if he was playing Angry Birds on his phone and he's supposed to be paying attention to the road just in case the artificial intelligence in the Uber car go decides that all humans need to be eliminated, right? <laughs> yeah. And he didn't grab the wheel. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, like I said, I have not given that any thought, but I would say that's not my first um, – it's not my first inclination would be okay. to, to, to charge them. I mean, sure, 
I'm sure there's going to be some inquiry into that, but I think that I love the idea of self-driving cars. I love it. But the idea of someone getting hurt, unfortunately, I think is an inevitability. And I think this is a little bit like, um, you know, when a plane goes down, it's such a horrific thing that but in reality, there's fewer fatalities in airlines than there are in cars. Right. So I, I guess that's my take. I do not love the idea of self-driving cars, Kirby, okay. at all. Um, I just, I, I, I maybe this is the control freak in me, sure. and I can be one uh, from time to time. I, I like driving cars, and mm-hmm. I like operating a motor vehicle. And, you know, it's one of those things, the more technology detaches us from experiences i think the worse off we are as a society you know there's an apex to technology and enhancing our lives and detracting from it and i think we're starting to get on the down the downside of that to be Mm. honest with you Mm. i mean you know i I walked through the uh, charlotte airport today making a connection for my flight and it's a poorly designed airport. The ceilings are low, and the the, the corridors are, are horrifically slim. And the way American Airlines runs flights in and out of there, it's a very panicky airport because people are constantly running to gates. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very stressful airport. And the amount of people that are just glued into their phones as they're walking and so completely oblivious to their surroundings. Sure, yeah. It just drives me nuts. And, and I worry that the more we get just let technology take over things in the interest of quote unquote making our lives easier we're starting to miss out on life yeah i mean one of the joys in life is driving a car yeah so and and again i I think the interesting thing is i actually really enjoy driving too but see this is one of those things where i think just it's an interesting philosophical discussion because I think you're vilifying the wrong thing. Um, like I think that you want me to vilify you. I can <laughs> that. That's perfectly fine if I'm the one who's misusing technology. It's not technology's fault. It's not technology's fault that, that everybody's got their nose in their phones. No, not I People agree. People get the, need to get their head out of their ass. That's the per- person's problem, not the phone's problem. Um, we have designed. Uh, a, a, well, hold on. I yeah. would not say it's a person's problem. It's a societal problem. I, I guess, but I can't control a society. I think it's one of those things where it's an individual choice. People are making poor individual choices. These were, we, these things were created to be tools of humans, and humans are becoming tools of technology. I guess we're going to have to disagree <laughs> on that because okay. I think that is the biggest cop out. Um, you know, at some point, you know, technology does start eroding. And yes, but oh you, man, because I couldn't like literally. I think it's the opposite of a cop out. Like I um, think it's a cop out to say it's technology's fault. I will tell. It's I would say it's technology's <laughs> fault. No, no, no. It's man's reliance on technology. It's fault. It's it's a human issue. Don't get me wrong. I'm not blaming technology. But I look at like cell phones and smartphones. Mm-hmm. That's as just as addictive as crack. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you in ten years. Mark my words. Ten years from today, there will be rehabilitation centers across the world trying to help people kick their technology addiction. Yeah, no I, think, I, I, th- I think there's something to that for sure. I agree with that. So I don't blame the technology itself. It's how we rely on it. We get lazy. You know, yeah. technology, unfortunately, appeals to our inherent laziness. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's something to that. I, You know, it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, I look at uh, people like Gary Vee, and they've got people driving them around. I mm-hmm. think there's an, a part of me that's jealous because, you know, living in the foothills of the Appalachia, 
Appalachian Mountains, there's no place I go to call on a client that I'm not driving a car for an extended period of time, right? So I I think of all the productivity time that I could get done working like some of these other people do, and uh, I'm jealous of that sometimes. And and I understand that. I do. I just, again, maybe maybe this is my grumpy old man moment, right? I just really... I don't love the idea of self-driving cars. Yeah. I just don't. And, and, you know, and, and not because accidents happen. Accidents are going to happen. And sure. Obviously, sorry, the lady passed away. But yeah. yeah there you go. No, it, it, but you're right. It's oh, I know I'm right. You are right that accidents are going to happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were just making a blanket statement yeah. that I was right, and I was going to roll right along with that because I really thought you made a salient point there. <laughs> Bill, you're right. The you end. know who else is right, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? Be the good people at Gold Star Pen. Love it. You know, a lot of writing instruments out there, Kirby. Mm-hmm. But a real differentiator for Gold Star is they're more than just made in the USA. I mean, it's great that they're made in the USA. That's fantastic. But they're one of the only in-house writing instrument instruments manufacturers that are headquartered here in the United States. And because they have that in-house manufacturing, it allows for more precise quality control, virtually unlimited inventory, Quick turn custom colors on 10,000 pieces or more. It's fantastic. And we talk about how their theme is simplicity, and I love that. It's that standard 24-hour production. It's that ever-smooth ink. It's no setup charges. Or, I'm sorry, it's all-inclusive pricing. It includes setup charges and decoration charges and free ground shipping on all writing instruments. What could go? What could be better? Yeah. What could be better? Now this so, is, I love the Gold Star pen. I'm actually writing with one right now. Yeah, I, I tell you, they're my favorite pens, and that's not because I sponsor fill in the blank. I really do love the pen. So if you want to learn more and sign up for a free Simplicity Starter Kit, go to goldstarpens.com slash unscripted. As always, you won't be sorry you did. Kirby, let's play some fill in the blank. Whoop, whoop. You go first. All right. So you just got back, literally, uh, from a business trip. Um, I did. And people are always talking and complaining about business travel Mm -hmm. but i want to flip it on you so what's your your favorite part of business travel is disconnecting Mm. it's one of the few places in the world where i feel like i don't need to be on my phone i don't need to be beholden to email i can really unplug and just kind of unwind and and i find that very difficult to do Um, we talked earlier about being a slave to technology Mm -hmm. i'm either the pot or the kettle because i'm just as bad you know it's pot calling the kettle black so I like on a plane, I can usually get some reading done, maybe get a nap, um, but it's really a place for me to just allow my cluttered mind to declutter. Yeah. It's, that's, and I really do enjoy that part of it. Oh, I really cool. do. I like it. And that. I mean, among other things, actually, I don't, I don't hate business travel. Yeah. No, I mean, you and I travel a fair amount. You travel more than I do, but right. um, yeah, there's a lot I like about it. That's interesting. So, okay, yeah. cool. Kirby. The dumbest thing you did your freshman year in college was. <laughs> oh, man. This is only a 30 minute podcast, right? Like, that is correct. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, gosh, that's actually really tough. So I, I made it a point to do as many dumb things as I could my freshman year. Um, so I would say that at one point, I helped. Another person, we had a, we, I went to the University of Detroit. Mm-hmm. We, had a, um, we had a security that was 
diligently working to keep all the students safe. And often, mm-hmm. as this is the case, students mm-hmm. in a college didn't feel that way. Uh, so it was called public safety. So uh, me and another person uh, in the dead of the night might have scraped the L's off of a bunch mm-hmm. of the vehicles. Okay. And so that's a little bit embarrassing, but funny. So. Kirby, I think I think there's you're still uh, inside the statute of limitations. I don't know if I would have admitted that. <laughs> vandalism was prop vandalism of property. Is something we take very seriously here at Unscripted, and I, sir, do not approve of what you did. I I do not approve of it either. So when I run for office, this I'm sure will come up. Oh, and if it doesn't, I'll make sure it does. <laughs> yeah, if there's ever someone who's going to derail my uh, my presidential campaign, I think it's going to be Mr. Petries for sure. That'd be that'd be that'd, that'd be an honor to do so. <laughs> cool. Okay, so you just rebranded at Promo Corner. I did. So for those who are interested in rebranding, mm-hmm. uh, one tip that you would give someone when doing their new branding is oh, that's a good one, Kirby. Make sure it appeals to your target audience. So really understanding who your target audience is and what they want. I, I'm a huge believer, you know, when you do a rebranding, a lot of people just focus on, we need a new logo. Right. That logo is a representation of the brand. And the brand, is well, my definition of a brand is it's the feelings that people have when they see your representation of it. So when they see the logo. So... When someone sees the Promo Corner logo, the new one, I want them to see that we're uh, progressive. I want them to feel like we're trustworthy. I want them to feel like we are uh, really understanding what the digital media and marketing needs are in the industry. So for other people, I would say, who's your target audience? Understand your target audience and what feelings and emotions do you want attached to your brand? Because we all buy emotionally and we justify logically. Right. Um I would absolutely say you need to make sure you make an emotional connection with your target audience. Mm, I like that. That's great advice. Cool. All right. Kirby, the worst industry trade show you ever attended was? Okay. The worst industry trade show I've ever attended was, you know, I, I've been pretty blessed. I like. I really haven't had a lot of terrible oh, experiences. come on. No, I really haven't. I mean, okay. you know, there are, there are times where you go to, uh, you know, one of the regional tabletops um, that there aren't, maybe they haven't brought their A game or, you know, I've been to. Or, or their B game. Yeah. Or possibly even their C game. Well, and, you know, I think that isn't necessarily, I, I, just, I really haven't had too many like that okay. because um, luckily it's been one of those things where, and, and you know what it is, though, Bill? I think yes, it's that, you know, none of these shows come to Coshocton, Ohio. And that's not a critique. So when no, we you, go to one, yeah. it's usually one that kind of is well-promoted and well-organized. So, okay. like, you know, I'm driving to Cleveland or Columbus, um, or, hell, I'm flying someplace like Las Vegas. Usually those are pretty damn well-run shows. And so right. um, have I attended a few where I'm like, gosh, there were a couple people missing, or there was this, or there was that? Yeah, but there's always the group of regional people that I like to see anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, I really haven't had too many bad experiences in that way. So okay. I nope, guess I'm lucky fair. that way. You are so fortunate. <laughs> you got, you got another one. Yeah. So I know that you are not, you don't have a ton of bad habits and you don't have a ton of vices, <laughs> but okay. A bad habit that you do have that you wish you did not have is. Oh, 
Yeah, this is this is a little hard because I'm asking you to tell on yourself a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so so here's a bad habit I wish I didn't have. I the state of Tennessee has declared that I am not allowed to be with 100 feet of a can of Pringles. Um, (laughs) If if there are Pringles in the house, they do not last very long. Yeah, at all. yeah, and, and so I've kind of I, I don't I don't want them in the house, yeah. and but every once in a while I'll buy some, yeah. and I'll you know maybe want a little munchy, a little hungry. You can't Not eat as, one. <laughs> you can't. They're so good, and and you know they're basically just pressed potato flakes, but they're in such a pleasing shape, and the flavors are so nummy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have that, and it's a bad habit. I mean, it's one. Honestly, it's it's one I'm, I I can't break. The only way to break it is to avoid having them around. Yeah, and I love the fact, love the fact that you just said the word nummy. That makes I me happy. I did say nummy. Good. <laughs> All right, Kirby, I got one more for you. Okay. The most embarrassing place you've ever fallen asleep was? Um, the most embarrassing place I've ever fallen asleep. Gosh, mm-hmm. I probably church. Because usually when, when something like that happens, you, you end up falling on the shoulder of the mm-hmm. old lady next to you. Right. <laughs> and, you, and you know that she has she knows that I need Jesus and should be paying attention to it. So well, probably and, something and, like and, that. And you know she was walking out of the church going, you know that Kirby Hossman, he <laughs> thinks he's all that, and he fell asleep on me during the homily. <laughs> that's exactly right. And the thing is, is that's the challenge of being in a small town, right? Is that they probably do, do know who I am. So Absolutely. in that moment, yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, I pro- probably a, the night before I probably fell asleep in the bar too. So that, you know. Both are not great. Kirby, I think we just learned a little bit more about you than uh, anybody, had, uh, anybody had expected to. So I think that's a good place to stop, quite well, frankly. You, you know what I always say. There's a thin line between Saturday night and Sunday morning. There is a thin line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, but it's a very short line to business success and common skew. So if you are looking to up your game as a distributor to have a platform that is developed specifically for you and this industry... The only thing you need to do is go to commaskew.com slash unscripted and really take a few minutes, learn about the platform, learn how it can elevate your promotional products industry to heights you couldn't have even imagined five minutes before you went there. Kirby, thanks for taking the time, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.